welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Tim. Like Tim said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. If right now you're sitting at your computer, you might want to watch us live on FlagAndBanner.com's Facebook page. It's kind of fun to see what's going on behind the scenes because Tim just waved to Jesse to turn the mic up. and It's kind of fun to see that stuff. Tomorrow's Veterans Day, so who better to have on your show than retired Lieutenant Colonel David Cooper? Through our conversation and storytelling, we hope you will learn something, want to get involved, or be inspired to take action in your own life. For me, the taking action began over 40 years ago when I founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, Flag and Banner has grown from door-to-door sales to telemarketing to mail order and catalog sales and now relies heavily on the internet. Each change in sales strategy required a change in company thinking and procedures. My confidence, leadership, knowledge, and my company grew. My initial $400 investment now produces nearly $4 million in annual sales. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between me and my guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that I hope you'll find interesting. Starting and running a business or organization is like so many things. It takes persistence perseverance, and patience. No one, and I mean no one, has a straight path to success. I worked part-time jobs for nine years before Arkansas Flag and Banner grew enough to support just me. Today, we have 10 departments and 25 co-workers, thus reminding us all small businesses are the fuel of our country's economic engine and empower people's lives. Before we start, I want to introduce you to the people at the table. We have my co-host and co-worker at Flag and Banner, Tim. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. And running the board and taking your calls is our technician, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Hello. My guest today is, like I said, the retired Lieutenant Colonel David Cooper of the United States Army. Colonel Cooper served as active duty in the United States Army for 10 years. During this time, he was stationed in the Korean DMZ, demilitarized zone, and in Germany. His job there was medevac helicopter pilot. After retiring from the military, David retired to the San Francisco Bay Area where he went to work in the tire business. For the next 15 years, he would be promoted to senior management for Goodyear Tire working in product placement and logistics for 27 states, West Canada, and Asia. Today, he lives in Little Rock, brought here by no less than the love of a woman, his college sweetheart, he's smiling, and my friend. Never one to rest on his laurels, David quickly found some like-minded people when he joined the Association of the United States Army, where he has served as Arkansas's state president since 2016. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table retired Lieutenant Colonel David Cooper of the United States Army. Hey, David. Hey, Carrie. How are you doing? I'm fine. Um, how old were you when you joined the military and what brought about that decision? Well, uh, I attended Southwest Missouri State College, which was a land-grant college. And at that time, if you joined, if you're a freshman in college, you also joined ROTC. So I was an ROTC student for four years. Uh, during those four years, I went to summer camp and I saw, uh, a helicopter fly into the DM, into the landing zone there, and I said, that's what I want to do, and the rest is history on that part of it. So, so why did you join the ROTC? 
Um, first, it was required. But oh, then really? the first two years are required. Then the second two years, it's on your own. Um, my dad served in the in the army he in was World a, War Two. World War Two. Um, it was it was always kind of a patriotic thing that you want to do. But uh, I had the choice of staying in the ROTC program and we, you know getting commissioned as a lieutenant. And that's why I chose to do. You know, wasn't the Vietnam War going on when you joined? It was yes. Not that was not a very popular decision you made. Well, <laughs> it, it was kind of a group of people that just, you know, we wanted to be in the commissioned officer program, not be drafted. So that's the, the, the driving force was to stay in school, get your commission, and then go on. Because if you got commission, you don't think you'd be on the front line as much? No, it's it's an officer. You, you get drafted as a private, and which mm. is fine. That's enlisted mm-hmm. level, but as you get – through college, you can become an officer. That's what I chose to do. So you saw a helicopter come in, and you were like, that's what I want to do. Yeah, it's a long story. In ROTC, they had an aviation program where you flew one Cessna 150s, and you got your license there. So that's what I did as a senior. And then from there on, you, I my branch was Medical Service Corps, which is the medevac part of the aviation field. So uh went to officer basic. Then you reapply again be for helicopter school and I did that and uh, got accepted to Fort Walters, Texas for a primary school. So I looked at your resume and it has so many words that were only military language, but there was a lot of medical awards and education. And then there was a lot of pilot awards and education. So to be a medevac pilot, what kind of education do you have to have? Well, first of all, it requires a, at that time that you're bachelor of science, then you go to officer basic school Pass that, then again you apply for helicopter school, and you get in, and you have. Uh, I always tell the story that uh, at that time you had uh, one week to hover and two weeks to solo, or you're out. So that was the pressure you had, and uh, it wasn't just on my class. Every class, every two weeks, we were going through Fort Walters at that rate. It sounds like words I used when I was doing potty training with my kids. You got how many days to hover, and then you're solo. Yeah, it's, a, it's effective anyway, right? <laughs> Looking at your resume, you were in for 10 years. Was there something that looked like you were going to go as a lifer? Well, I was in 10 years and I got out. Um, there was a lot of traveling, a lot of, lot of uh, moving from place to place, and I wanted to settle down. But when I did get out, I stayed in the reserves. So I did 10 years of reserves after that, and that allowed me to, to uh, get uh, full retirement. retirement. Yes. Full retirement, because you got to be in 20 years. Yes. So why did you get out? Why did you just wanted to quit traveling so much? You want to stay home and raise a family? Kind of doing that, yeah. That's it's uh, it's a lot. I, I look back on it, and in eleven years or ten years, I'd been in twelve different locations. So it was time to. In the, Were you married at the time? Yes. Yeah. And you already had children? No. So that's that was another thing. We you know tired, got out, had had my son Scott. Do you recommend? Um, to other people to follow your career path if you were if this was your if you were talking to yourself 20 years ago or during that time what advice would you have given your your young self well you know the military like everything else is changing uh it's um a, it's a program where it's I, I say it's not for everybody but once you are in the military you're in military for life we in our group we say soldier for life well, that holds true for Marine for life or Airman for life or Sailor for life. Once you're in the military, it's in your soul. 
And um, so if you do two years or you do 20, it doesn't really make any difference. You still are a soldier for life. And I recommend, I recommend just do what you think is right for yourself. But don't join for the wrong reasons, you know. I mean, I think anybody that joins the military will come out a better person for it. Yeah, but that's 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 true. But you need to join not to make money, not to get. You want to join because you believe in the in your country. Oh, that's a great place to take a break. When we come back, we're going to learn more about retired Lieutenant Colonel David Cooper. Hear a few war stories. Talk about what he's doing today as president of the Association of the United States Army and learn how you can get involved. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of the show, a podcast will be made available next week at flagandbanner.com's website. If you prefer to listen on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud, you'll find those links there as well. Lots of listening options. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with retired Lieutenant Colonel David Cooper. All right, David, tell us about your tour of duty. A lot of people went to Vietnam. You're a helicopter pilot. You're a medevac helicopter pilot. How did you end up in Korea and not Vietnam? It was um, it was it was 1970s, uh, 1970, actually, in, in December 1970. And uh, there's always been a unit in Korea they call it the DMZ medevac, and it supports the DMZ, our soldiers, and the uh, Korean Marines up there in the DMZ no-fire zone. Uh, so, so, so my class went to Vietnam, and a group of us went to Korea instead. You know, that was in the three seventy seventh medevac company. Uh, had none of the had, had, not, in Vietnam. It was like day to day danger. There wasn't that much in in Korea. We had some, but it was never like Korea, but like Vietnam, but it was, um, it was one of those things that happened. You know, I don't, I kind of look back on it, wish maybe I'd gone the, over the other way. So what? Nobody wanted to go the other way. Uh, it, it's, uh, the medevac units are a very close knit group. So I have a lot of good friends that uh, did serve in Vietnam and, and some that served in Korea. So by and large, we, we were all one, one team. I mean, really, how did you draw, draw, uh, draw the short straw? I mean, everybody went to Vietnam. Well, in that time period, we still had forces in Korea, and, and still do today. That it just happened. Um, so I just watched the Vietnam War special on AETN, and Arkansas Flag and Banner was proud to be one of the sponsors. Um, they, I didn't know this, but whenever you watch a Vietnam War show, uh, they always have the helicopter flying in with Jim Croce blaring or some, you know. 1960 song you know anti-war song or whatever blaring and i thought it was just the tv show and i found out in that vietnam war special that they actually flew in with that music blaring because it scared the Viet Cong, and they would all run and hide and that way the helicopter could scoop down pick up the wounded and get out is that what y'all did not exactly no I, i we didn't have that i don't know where that music was coming from but we didn't have music like that. No, it just, uh, it's pretty one-to-one. It's like you're talking to the person on the ground, directly the pilot's talking to the person on the ground and seeing which way to land, what's what's going on, and how many injured, and you get back and forth and you land. And 
get the people on board and then uh, get out of there as fast as you can. How many helicopters land in a group like that? So there's been a shootout. Okay. It, it all depends. In our group, we were just one helicopter. But with the CAV, there'd be a 12 or 14 helicopters come in. But in medevac units by themselves, we're just one helicopter. And then you would uh, put them on stretchers and put them into the... Now, you were the pilot, so you wouldn't get out, would you? No, but so let's kind of go back. You, okay. have a, you have a crew of four people. You have a pilot and a co-pilot. You have a uh, medic, and you have a crew chief. Crew chief takes care of the maintenance of the helicopter. The medic, we call him Doc, because he, in the wartime or back there, the back of the helicopter, he's he's it, or he she is it. And uh, they take care of the wounded. The pilot and co-pilot communicate with the medic, and you t- relay that message on to the hospital, and uh, the co-pilot pilot take turns flying the aircraft. So you jump out, and did you ever get shot at while no, you were landing on the ground? Not shot at on the ground, no. Really? We were in LZs that were, there were people being shot, but not shot at. Because DMZ stands for Demilitarized Zone, and in Vietnam, I also learned, I mean, I love that Vietnam special. I also learned on that Vietnam special, the DMZ, they used to call it the Dead Marine Zone, because it was so dangerous. You heard that before? No. You haven't? <laughs> Have you been watching that Vietnam uh, War special on AET? And a lot of vets can't watch it. I watched part of it. I wanted to see one episode, and I saw that, and that was enough. It's too hard to watch, isn't it? It's it's okay. It's uh, I've seen many you know of those shots before, so it's just... It's not what I'm going to watch. I know. We had uh, Terry Hartwick on her. He used to be the mayor of North Little Rock. And he said he couldn't watch it. Yeah, it's. It, it, I think it's well done. Mm-hmm. I, I see. I, I think it's very well done. Actually, and Ken Burns does a great job on whatever he does. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it, uh, it's good to show both sides of that. You know, it, it's kind of funny. My uh, my son went back uh, to just on a trip. He went. He chose South Vietnam, or he chose Vietnam to visit. So mm-hmm. it's interesting how that kind of full circles around. Mm-hmm. So uh, you don't think. Flying, I would have thought flying in, picking up the wounded would be the most dangerous part of your job. Would you? Yeah, yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. you're flying low and slow, and, and it could be hostile. So when you got home, were you, like, missing that adrenaline rush? Um, I, I think you once you fly, you, you'll always miss it when you don't, aren't flying. But, yeah, it's, it's, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it's, it, was, it was probably the most rewarding job I could ever have in my life, you know, based on uh, what – I've gone through. So, yeah, it's, it was very good. So what was the hardest part when you came back? You said, okay, how many tours did you do? I can't remember. Just I one. That. I did 10 years, but I did a medevac for uh, nine of those years. I was in aviation medevac, different units through, you know, Germany, United States, and, and Korea. Well, that's not one. Is that considered one tour? Yeah, yeah. But you were in Korea for a while? Yeah. Then how would you end up in Germany? Just that's another another place you have the military you know we have uh uh at that time it was uh it was cold war and you uh you're in germany and they're stationed there and you have uh we had like uh five five different units medevac units in germany did you bring your wife with you yeah uh-huh. so you got to live in some pretty cool places i guess uh lived in some really really neat places uh i was able to fly and that's kind of neat too because you fly out Different parts of Europe and Germany would be fun. What's the hardest part about being in the service and doing your job that you were doing? Personally, you know, it, it's it's a lot of time away from home. You know, you are away from 
home. You know, you, mm-hmm. it's a 24-7 job, you know, and you do maneuvers or you go on different missions and you you have to leave what you have gone and pack up and away from home a week or so. You don't know, you know, that's, that's probably the hardest part. So it was the most rewarding job you ever had. Why? Because you're working with a team that, uh, you know, we have a, it's kind of funny in the civilian world, they have all these team building programs where you go out in the woods for a couple of days and come back, you think you're a team. Well, when you work together for months doing the medevac routine where you have four people, the pilot, co-pilot, medic, and crew chief, and you're one, you know, you're one team doing things together and you don't, no one asks, why do we do this? You just say, clear left. The, the crew chief says, immediately, clear right, sir, clear left, sir. You know, so you got, it just snaps team, team working. A lot of trust. A lot of trust and respect. Uh-huh. A lot of trust and respect. Yeah. Really builds character, I would imagine, working together like that. Well, you know, you, like I said, if I ever got injured or shot, I'd want my I would want my medic working on me more than anybody else because mm-hmm. that's how they how skilled they were and how good they were. So you come back, you need to make the decision to get out of the military yeah. and to come home, and now you leave these guys that have become family to you. I can't imagine what that's like. Well, it's uh, you just have good memories. You have good memories. I miss them though. I guess you now you like Facebook. You probably can find them on Facebook. Well, that and we also have a, a dust off. Uh, group we get back together every year or so and uh keep on you know facebook and the internet so you, you know i was back in the, uh san antonio two years ago and saw a lot of good friends what'd you call it a dust off yeah d-u-s-t yeah d-u-s-t-o-f-f that's when you get back together well, that's the name that's what that's what you call the medevacs oh it is yes dust off one two or dust off two one whatever your number call sign is wow Okay, I'm going to try to get this right. It's dedicated, unselfish service to our fighting forces. Oh, wow. Did you hear that? That's great. That is. I never knew that. Yeah. All right, you come home. What's the hardest thing about coming back? You, you're having to get back into civilian well, life. Yeah, you, see about that all the, you hear about that all the time. Well, I think it's for just not myself, but for all your veterans that come back, is the transition from military life to civilian world. Um you have a job, then you need, and you're looking for work. That's probably the hardest part because you want to continue to work. You have a, uh, and it's hard to match what you were doing in the military to the outside world, the civilian world. So, uh, since I had a degree, I just went ahead and got a job that they uh, wanted. Uh, you know, got in the sales force with uh, with Michelin Tire Corporation and uh, worked with them for a while. But then, at the same time, I got involved with the reserves. So I was in the reserves. So I still had that connection. So do you recommend everybody get maybe stay? I mean, maybe that's a great thing for everybody to do. You get out of the service, you're decompressing, your wife's worried about her hair appointment, and you just saved someone's life last month. And so maybe to decompress, you should everybody should join the reserves. Well, it's it's a it's an option. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it seemed to work for you. It, I think what was important was. Um, you still can be part of the military. When I was in the reserves, I was an umpire controller. We did uh, training exercises, so all the all the all the experience I gained when I was in active duty, mm. I could apply it to reserve training, and it was a real great fit for me. And I really enjoyed it. And plus, I'm able to retire. I can, you know, I, I, I if you retire, you can go to the PX and commissary on 
on the Air Force Base up here at Little Rock, and I just, you know, I enjoyed doing that. And we talked about the language that people talk. Like, I just read your resume, and I can't even understand it because the language in the military is so different. It is. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's, <coughs> when you're in the military, it's really simple to pick it up. But I even notice when I'm out right now, there's been some new acronyms that have come in, you know, uh, that I don't understand. But, yeah, it's it's a whole different language. It's, just, you know, it's, you know, from rank structure to um, pay, it's all, uh, it's all there in bright, black and white, but it's different language. Yeah, I'll say. You have to just go speak. English, please. So what do you compare about today's war that we're in that I recently, maybe everybody knows this, but I didn't know it was longer than the Vietnam War, so I heard someone say that the other day. Well, I, I can tell you it's, it's the longest war in our history. And it was and it's, it was served by the fewest percent of our population. Really? So, so think about that. The longest war in our history, 12-plus years, served by the fewest percent of our population. How long was Vietnam? I don't know. I, I just know it wasn't 13, mm-hmm. 14 years. So it's uh, and it's a whole voluntary army now, and it was back then. It was a it was a draft. So that's that's different options. And maybe too. we don't need as many people now because there's drones and no, better technology. I, yeah. It's something we got to understand that we during these last war we've we sent people on multiple tours four or five times. Oh, so. Um, We've used we've used really our soldiers and our Marines or airmen really hard the last twelve years. There's no question about that, and uh, so it's very important for days like tomorrow that we understand what importance the veterans are to us and how many we have coming home now from this last war. And maybe that's why PTSD seems to be higher as they keep going back and going back. It's um, accumulative. Accumulative. So is TBI. What's TBI? Traumatic brain injury. So once you're around a lot of explosions, first tour, the second tour, third and fourth tour, it accumulates in your in your system, in your body. But PTSD is also the same. It accumulates too. Mm-hmm. Because everybody has that. You know, everybody's witnessed a car accident that, you know, you see that and say, oh, and then something will trigger it. You know, maybe down your road you see another car accident. You say, oh, I remember how it was. Well, just think about it happening every day. And then that's a whole different trigger system. But you were there a long time. You never came home. So I don't understand. But I guess maybe you were not in the actual front lines. No, it, it, no tours of duty in Vietnam were one year. Oh. Yeah. So it's, the tours about the same. I don't guess I understand. Cause so, you, okay, let's just talk about today's situation. You're deployed okay. for 12 months. Then you come back and you're train again, you relax, build up, and then another 15 months, you go back. Back in Vietnam area, you only went down one time. You would go out one time. Unless you wanted to, you could re, you could do it again if you wanted to. But You wanted to re-enlist. Yeah, yeah. But you were in Korea, and then you were in Germany. Isn't that considered two tours of duty? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you keep saying I had one tour of duty, but well, you really didn't. No, I had two in the United States, too. I had, I, had, I had probably five different tours, yes. Oh, now, now I'm get starting to... <laughs> to make sense out of everything. I still want to talk about the difference between today's war and that war, too. I'm going to pick your brain on that a little bit more. When we come back, I want to talk with him about his advocacy work with the Arkansas Association of the United States Army, where he has been the president since 2016, and what they're doing to help the veterans 
and how you can get involved. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of this show, a podcast will be made available next week at flagandbanner.com's website. If you prefer to listen on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud, you'll find those links there as well. Lots of listening options. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with retired Lieutenant Colonel David Cooper. All right, David, now you can't rest on your laurels. You're retired. You could be doing anything you want. You chase a college girlfriend back to Arkansas from California. He's laughing. Who's a friend of mine. And and you get involved here in Arkansas. You're now the president of the Arkansas Association of the United States Army. And you're always knocking on Arkansas flag and banner door with a handout. (laughs) 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 What is that? And why did you decide to get involved? Well, you know, like I was saying, you know, all of us that are soldiers once, we're always soldiers. So it was an opportunity for me to uh, get involved. we have a chapter president, Harold Tucker's, uh, did a great job with the Arkansas chapter. And we needed a uh, fill a position for the state president, so I volunteered. And uh, that was two years ago. And uh, the Association of the United States Army is a nonprofit uh, professional and educational uh, group. We support the soldier and their family in D.C. With our, We have a lobbyist. We're acting, you know, whether you say we we're uh, – what we call advocacy. We're advocacy. We advocate for the army. But you're in Arkansas. But, but you have a lobbyist in Washington. We have a headquarters. Right. Our headquarters. So we have a chapter in Arkansas, but we have a headquarters. And at the headquarters, that's where they do the the advocacy for the army. soldier and families. And we're unique in that we are both enlisted and officer. We support those both of those groups, and we support the National Guard, Army Reserves, and the Active Army. And by supporting, you mean what do you mean by advocate that? Advocate for we advocate that we still have our our medical benefits. We advocate for uh, pay increases. We advocate to take care of the army. Uh, only one percent of our population is in the military. You mean one percent of our population is in the military, not in the army, but in the military. In the military. Really, I had no idea. So, so we're the one percent, and with that one percent. Uh, you have to look at it. That that 1% defends our country. So it's important that we take care of that 1%, make sure they're taken well-trained, well-equipped, and well-paid. I don't think people realize this, or at least I didn't realize this for a long time, but soldiers are only in the Army. Sometimes people, servicemen are everybody. That's right. Soldiers are only Army. And Marines are Marines, and Airmen are Airmen, and Sailors are Sailors. Yes. So Armies are soldiers. And what's unique about it, you know, we have that that rivalry, you know, the Army-Navy game and all that. Mm -hmm. I I equate it to uh, brothers and sisters of a big family. Mm -hmm. You can fight like brothers and sisters, but when someone comes to your backyard, you're a team. That's right. Your organization that you're in was started in the 1950s. Yes. And why did it, that come about? What what need did they see that it, was not being met? It was a post-World War II wow. uh, event. Every time there's a major war 
traditionally in our country, there's been a downsizing. So you will downsize it down to a point where it's very small. And the theory is that save money, but in actuality, you need to keep a level of, of, of military strength throughout. Because to go from a small army to a big army doesn't do it overnight. You must, it, takes, it takes years to do that. So you try to keep your membership constant. And that's why that group was formed to help. Keep the membership up? Keep Congress in, aware of the needs of the military. To keep, so it doesn't ever wane and we don't, like you yeah. said, uh, become um, uh, not supported enough by our military in case there is. We need to have enough of the military in the reserve, yeah, and, in the Army Reserve. And, you know, for the first time ever, too, we have probably a very low percent of our military <laughs> represented in Congress by the by membership of the Congress. You know, that's true. You almost you used to couldn't even be a political, be a be a politician if you hadn't served yeah. in the military. You couldn't even be a president of the United States if you didn't have military experience. And it seems like a lot of them don't now. It is. It, I think that's just going to kind of reverse itself because of all the people involved with the last war because there have been so many involved. And I think we've got some good people coming up. Well, I think it should because it creates, like you said, that t- teaches you how to Teamwork together wouldn't that be nice if we had that in uh, Washington, and and it and uh, and it keeps you uh, and it's about service. It keeps that service, the ball of service, in front of you all the time to go. Oh yeah, our it, job's it, about service, serving our our nation. It's like um, it's important for people to realize what war is and what the sacrifices that are made in war, and military people know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like our uh, chief. General Mills, Miles said uh, two weeks ago, I was at a convention back there, we pray for peace, but we train for war. Mm, well said. Those pray are, for peace and train for war. Those are two big opposites, you know, and, and but that's what they do. That's what, you know, that's what the military is about is, is keeping peace. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think that the expense of a war, which is what... Um, not Desert Storm, but the last one. What was the, what's the one? Free, freedom. There's it was OIF, OEF. Those are a combination. Operate Iraqi Freedom, and Operation Enduring Freedom. Those were the two. Well, General Powell tried to talk about the expense of war is not just about war, but it's about it's actually more more expensive to take care of your veterans after war than the war itself. The Vietnam veterans right now. Taking care of them is more than the Vietnam War ever cost us. Yeah, and it's and this as we go on forward, it's even going to be more expensive with the folks that just we got back this from last war. And the, our government doesn't have the staff to take care of all these veterans. Even if you can get a veteran, I listened to a gentleman at Rotary on Tuesday in downtown Little Rock, and he was talking about PTSD. He has it really bad. And he said that e- even if you can get through the, the the stigma of going and asking for help and going into therapy, which is hard for a lot of men to do when they come back, but even if you can get through that stigma and get there, there's not necessarily enough support from uh, from the VA because there's so many people that need help. Well, and, and let's kind of go back. You know, there's a lot of strong veterans out there that have – you know that don't have injuries that they're working in our society. They're very you know good, but the ones that are injured do need to be taken care of. That's mm-hmm. that's the that's the truth of the matter. And uh, like every war, there's a there's an injury that or that comes out of it. Like in Vietnam War, there was the burns, and we we designed burn units throughout the country. Now now burn units 
duplicate what the military did from the Vietnam War because it was they learned from it. Mm-hmm. Like likewise, the TBI injury and the PTSD injury, we're learning so much about that now because of this war that it will it will greatly help our all of our society down the road. What an interesting, what positive way to think about it. That we're, I mean, I hate to think about our military as being the guinea pigs for us to grow and learn in the medical world, but it is true. It's true, and and, and we've come a long ways. You know, the, some of those were stigmas that they had before are no longer mm-hmm. there, and um, it's, um, it's. there's a quote, though, I want to share with you. It's, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to try to get through it because it was written years ago, and they kind of spoke a little differently, English. Mm-hmm. It says, the willingness for which our young people are likely to serve in any war, no matter how justified, shall be directly proportional to how they perceive the veterans of earlier wars were treated and appreciated by their nation. Wow. George Washington, November 10th, 1781. Wow. So you want to join the military because you per- you have a great perception of how they were treated before. Yes. Well, there's a. I was back in this meeting, and uh, we had a, a two weeks ago. It was in D.C., and we had a speaker. It was a Tradoc commander, General Perkins, a smart guy, and he was saying how how hey, these things going. We, we train ten thousand. We produce ten thousand soldiers a, a month in training. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And he said we have a lot of things on our plate. He said, well, you know, probably George Washington had a lot on his plate when he crossed the uh, Delaware. <laughs> so it's, tr- it's a true story. I so. think um, Theodore Roosevelt was the last president that went went to war. Actually, went to war. Well, you know, uh, Bush Cedar was a pi- Navy pilot. Got shot down. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, okay, but he wasn't the president yet. No. So see, I mean, I mean, Theodore Roosevelt was actually the president. Oh. He rode into war. Yes, he was a. You're exactly right. Uh-huh. Yeah. In, the, in the Mexican Spanish American War, or uh, what was, a, was what was that? He was a Texas Ranger, I think. He was a character. He was a character. He's my favorite president. I know everybody else loves Abraham Lincoln, but I love Theodore. He rode in on horseback. Yeah, yeah. Um, so your advocacy group is the Association of the United States Army. Um, and you help veterans. So what we do, we, yeah. we locally, we, that's what we do nationally. We talked about that. But locally, we, look, we have three objectives. Past is the retirees of veterans. We work with the VA on the Veterans uh, volunteer, volunteer Services Group. We support them. And we're looking at different ways to help veterans that past veterans. Presently, we, we work with the 9th Brigade out here at Camp Robinson. When they have a function, we support them. Okay. And future, we have uh, we support 24 JROTC groups of five ROTC groups here in the state. and um, So that keeps your recruits coming in, and well, then you... Yeah, it's the JROTC, let's just talk about mm-hmm. that for a second. Mm-hmm. That's our high schools, okay. okay? We know that from JROTC, only maybe 10 to 15% will go on to the military. But um, I don't know if you know this, but only 70, 71% of our youth do not qualify for do not qualify for military service. Health for health reasons. Couple of them. academics, drugs, physical and medical reasons. Wow. So so just think about that. Seventy one percent do not qualify. So in JROTC, we kind of approach that as their new physical activities. They graduate, and they learn about our country, and they have a good peer group. So that in itself 
even though they may not all get in the military, we've we've done some real good citizenship work with them. So if you are a JROTC, junior ROTC, and you want to go and be ROTC in college, will they pay for your college education? You can get a scholarship, yes. And that means you have already signed up to serve in the military. There is an obligation, yes, when you, when you take that scholarship. Mm-hmm. And then you also work with the veterans. And I heard 20, 19 veterans are killing themselves a day right now. Well, there's a lot of veterans. Uh, but, yes, we work with the veterans. In Arkansas, there's 197,000. 197,000 veterans. It's 8.7% of our population, adult population. Really? That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. We're, you know, we, we rank 22nd in the nation on uh, of Military? Of uh, veterans. Oh, of veterans. Yeah. Military. I'm su- I'm, I guess that's not surprising. Don't you think the more rural areas um, people join the military because they want to get out and they're looking for options? Well, I think Arkansas is very patriotic anyway. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we, we, we have that. Uh, the southeastern part of the country is. Uh, the number one state for recruits is California because it's just so many people. And that's uh, then Texas. But uh, – those, I think, population-wise, we have a good percent that join the military. Uh, well, we've got the we've got the Pine Bluff Arsenal. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, what are we going to talk about, David? Veterans Day. Sure. We're going to talk about Veterans Day. You're listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of this show, a podcast will be made available next week at FlagandBanner.com's website. If you prefer to listen on iTunes. YouTube, or SoundCloud, you'll find those links there as well. Lots of listening options. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with retired Lieutenant Colonel David Cooper. I really like that song. I want to make like a play around it. It's very emotional and up and down. I have to look and see who who wrote that. That's the music from the movie Patton. Is it a is it an army song though? Before that, or is it was the score written just for Patton? I wonder. I don't know that particular. I don't know that, but it's a. It's really sounds like. Sounds pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it just for the movie. I wouldn't either. It's probably a score for the movie, but you know. But now that it's in the national conscious, people hear it and they think of the army. All right, enough of that. You're back in Little Rock. You're the president of the Arkansas Association of the Army. You're making sure that we have enough people trained in America, in the Army. You're recruiting people, but you also need sponsors. And how do people get involved? Okay, so let's go back a little bit. We we support the Army here in Arkansas, the re- retired Army, the ones that are down at, uh, at Cap Robinson and our future ROTC, JROTC. With membership, we have 290 members in Arkansas. And... Um, those are regular, we also have corporate members. They go, and that's like flag and banner. It's from corporate members, we get part of their membership comes back to their chapter, so we can do uh, events. How do you? Can anybody be a member, or do you have to be an army? No, it, it's if you love the army, you're, you're a corporation, you want to help the army, 
you could be a corporate member. But the but the non corporate members do they have to be army civilian? No, no, anybody can join. And when you came, how many members did it have? We uh, we had to put this back on Harold Tucker's plate because he he got the membership going here. Uh, uh, we had about one hundred and fifty. What have we got now? Two ninety. Oh, you've doubled it almost. Yeah, and our corporate membership, which I kind of worked with a little bit, we've doubled it also. So our corporate members help us out. Uh, it's kind of these, kind of like if we're in, if you have employees, because mm-hmm. half our military is retire is is recruit is National Guard and Reserve. That's our our neighbors. So good, there's a good chance that if you have employees, some of them will be in the reserves. What about and that is one of the problems. People come back from the service and they can't find jobs. Talk to me about that a little bit. How can we hire more of these servicemen? How can we find these men? How can we train them? How can we help them get them back in the community? Uh, there's a program, and it's I'll get this right. It's, uh, U.S. Army pays P A Y S. If you go online, it has it all written out. There's some good ways of doing it. We're just now getting into that part of it, Carrie. Uh, U.S. Army pays P A Y S. Yes, and it will. And it, it, can you go there and hire military people? It will show you how to do it, yes. And then military people can come back and go to that also and sign up and put their resumes in there and say, help me get a job? Well, the other thing is I know for a fact that uh, there's several groups here that have had uh, job fairs. For veterans? For veterans. And uh, I recommend any, any employer to use those whenever they can. I don't know why every employer wouldn't hire veterans. Um, I mean, they're trained, they're disciplined, and, they're and you, team-oriented. You can see that uh, not too many people qualified, so you're getting a good quality group of people to work with. Yeah, yeah, you said only 30% of the population can even qualify to join the service. Yeah. So you're getting healthy people? Yeah, and um, I think, I think unlike years ago i think people are realizing that and we've talked about it before you know that we have a different terminology for what we do in the military versus the civilian world there's a way to connect that so that's one of the projects we're kind of looking at to help there's a ar vets has i know has um uh job fairs and they're work you know, that's that happens every year so you got a website now mm-hmm. and what does it do what's the name of it here we go www.ausa dot org backslash arkansas oh all right i know say it again another one of those acronyms from the army www.ausa.org backslash arkansas that'll get you the arkansas yes. website and what 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 do we want to go on there for well i don't know you've seen it we've got the a journal that we've published three times three or four times a year where it's quite quarterly but it's called the hog call and we have Back to corporate sponsors, flag and banner is on our corporate page. And the and the hog is not for the Razorback hog. No, that's tell everybody what hog stands for. Doesn't it stand for something else in the military? No. Yes, it does. Oh, it's it's a Yeah, it does because we just had a hog, uh we just have a submarine or something that did uh up in we're having a boat being launched out of Washington DC from Arkansas, but it's H A W G, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're this this doesn't have anything. We're, this has to do with the Razorbacks. Oh, it does. Uh, and yeah. they let you use that? I'm surprised. It's a hog. 
I don't know. <laughs> Dogs were brown before Razorbacks. Mm-hmm. If they don't think so. If there's anyone <laughs> that can that can get bypass the SEC's trademark offices, it's the U.S. Army. It's this right. <laughs> That's the one people that the SEC trademark people are probably afraid of. <laughs> so anyway, we we have the journal, and in the journal, for all of our members that have kind of gotten away from the military, there's a lot of information, in it. and there's something that happened just. Tomorrow. Yeah, what's going on tomorrow? Um, Tomorrow's Veterans Day, everybody. Salute a vet, kiss a vet, hug a vet. So the PX, or the exchange system, is a like a department store on bases and posts throughout the country. Okay. And before, well, you had to be retired to get on the pay, base or, or to, to be able to use the PX. Well, they passed a, a plan just recently that starting tomorrow – all you have to have is your DD-214. What's that, a DD-214? That's when you leave the military. That's what you get. With that, you can do business with the PX online for the first time ever. So everybody, it's open to all veterans. Tomorrow? Starting tomorrow from the on. From ever? Yeah. If you have ever been a veteran and you've got your DD-214, go online. Put in your number, and you can start getting PBX prices. Online, yes. Online. Well, my father would have loved that. Yeah. So that, you know, that's, a, that's a good sight. So let's that's talk a, about Veterans Day. Okay. First of all, you're right. It's tomorrow. We cel- we've been celebrating it today. Uh, some people have. And uh, I kind of relate a little bit to you. My coffee group is uh, well, you know, up at Boulevard. We have coffee. every, And uh, Paul came in, which is a Navy veteran. And we, we know each other. We said, hey, you know, Congratulations on being a vet. You know, he says, you know, Dave, he said, I'm worried that people think the Veterans Day is just about sales at, at department stores and getting the day off. And I said, well, you know, I, I think you're right. In uh, about the same time, a gentleman came down and he says, you know, I he worked for the state. He says, you know, I got today off. I'm just going <laughs> to kick back. And I said, you know, um, Veterans Day is November 11th. He says, I didn't know that. He says, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was first called Armistice Day. That's right. And he says, it, uh, says you know, it was the uh, 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month that World War I ended, ceasefire. And that's why we have Veterans Day on the 11th of November. Did anybody know that? Tim, you're... I, I know that you're supposed to make wishes at eleven eleven, right? If you see, if you look up at a clock and you see that it's eleven eleven, you're supposed to make a wish. Is that where that comes from? Uh, I, I think I, that's four twenty when you. That, look that, it's four twenty. I gotta make a wish. <laughs> anyway, I, I just think it's important for yeah, us I'm to sorry. know why we have Veterans Day, and it's important because it's eleventh day. Say it again for us. The eleventh hour of the eleventh day, the eleventh month. Because that's when World War Two, World War One, World War One ended. Cease fired. Wow, it's heavy. So I I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to Verdun, France, and uh, they have a monument of World War One, and the, you, you still have the trenches are still in the soil. No, yeah, it's very. Uh, I've been to I've been to Normandy, and I've been to Verdun, and uh, sobering. Verdun's much sobering. It's it's a very it's a very quiet place, and they're and the the, the, the trench because that was trench warfare at the. I think it was a draft. I think World War One was a draft, also. 
But anyway, yes. But anyway, World so War II anyway, that's, that's 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 more that's Veterans Day. And I uh, I think we all should uh, remember that why we have it. I love it. Thank you very very much. You know, we have something for you. Hand it to me. <laughs> oh, so for David, gets a desk set because he's in the army. He gets an army flag on his desk set. He lives in Arkansas, so he gets an Arkansas <laughs> flag. He came from California, so he gets a California flag. And, of course, the U.S. flag oversees it all. Thank, thank you very much. That's, uh, I appreciate that. You know, I I, I uh, like flags very much, uh, and I, I, I have the American flag flying every day. At your home? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's mm. always up Do you have there. an in-ground flag pole or hang out from your house? No, it comes up my house. Uh, mm-hmm. We got it where it doesn't wrap around the pole anymore, so it's it's out there every day. So. That's tricky. Anyway, thank you very much. Do you have an Army flag? I do now. If you could be remembered for anything, what would it be? Um, as a soldier. Really? Yep. That's great. You work much with the wounded warriors? Pardon me? You work much with the wounded warriors? Uh when I was before I came out here, I worked uh, five years with the Army Wounded Warrior Program, and that was uh, as an advocate for the Army's most severely injured program, most severely severely injured soldiers, and we used different nonprofits. I, I, I used uh, Wounded Warrior Project sometimes. Was that in California? Mm-hmm. I would think that would be hard to do. It's to you know you just got to keep your chin up. I mean, they come back these great guys. You know. Uh, one thing on that, not one of them, not one of them said they were sorry they were in the military, mm-hmm. and almost every one of them wanted to get back if they could. Wow, special people we have to celebrate and to honor. And tomorrow, everybody, it's Veterans Day tomorrow, eleven, eleven, eleven. Tim, who's our guest next week? Next week is going to be Aaron Lubin from the Executive Recruiting Agency. So Aaron has been a recruiter for years. He has tons of experience. I happen to know him. He's probably going to talk about resumes, how to get jobs. We should talk about veterans and how veterans should get jobs on that show next week. He has lots and lots of advice to our listeners, probably about the future of careers in America because it's forever changing. So if you have a great entrepreneurial story that you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. You can send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org and somebody will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program's been about you, you're right, but it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you'd like to hear this program again, next week go to flagandbanner.com, click the tab labeled radio show, and there you'll find a podcast with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Carrie's goal? To help you live the American dream.